You are listening to the Punk Theology Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 25. My name is Russ Shaw, your host on this audio adventure. Today, future tripping. Yes, little social distortion. Playing just enough of that song to not get in trouble. Uh, If you want to check out our playlist, search Spotify for Punk Theology, where uh, the bumper music we play for the show, you can hear that stuff in its entirety right there on Spotify. Punk Theology, the playlist. Check it out. This episode was inspired by Bill Murray, all right? Bill Murray, yeah, that Bill Murray, the comedy legend Bill Murray, the uh, Ghostbusters, Caddyshack, countless movies, Zombieland, Bill freaking Murray. He was on the television talk show Charlie Rose. This is a snippet from that interview and if you want to watch the entire interview punk theology pub on facebook and we'll uh, put it there on the facebook page so charlie rose asks bill murray a really interesting question tell me what you want that you don't already have well i like i'd like to be i'd like to be more consistently here you know I'd like to really get on a, I'd like to just, and I I know it's not probably ever maybe possible, but because it's so improbable and so impossible, I'd just like to really see how long I could last as being really here, you know, really in it, really alive in the moment, you know. And you see people, I like to live to be old, you know, so I think I have a chance. That'd be my only chance. It's like I'd like to I'd like to just be more here all the time, and I'd like to see what I could get done, what I could do if I really didn't uh, cloud myself with automatic. You know, if if I were able to to not get distracted, to not let the to not change channels in my in my mind and body. You know, so I were just you know I'm I'm my own channel. You know, I was just really here and always with you, you know, that you could look at me and go, okay, he's there, you know, he's, there's someone there. And I could, you know how it is when you look in the mirror, you don't think about it, but you look in the mirror and you go, oh, sure, there's that guy, you know, and, and you catch yourself like what you were, the state you were in when you looked in the mirror, you know, and then you can make a face and kind of toughen yourself up or handsome yourself up or whatever you do. But when you catch yourself in that mirror, you see the state you're in. You know what? Like, who are you, are you? Happy? Are you sad? Are you confident? Are you rosy? Are you beleaguered? Are you are you here? You know, and most of the time you're not. You're 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 just like oh oh. It's almost like you want to look away because it's like that's not me there. That's what I'm doing right now, but that's not necessarily me. What's necessary for you to get there? <sighs> well, it's all contained in your body. You know, everything you've got. You know, your mind, 
your spirit, your soul, your emotions. It's all contained in your body. All the prospects, all the chances you ever have. I keep thinking of this Clint Eastwood line. You kill a man, it's, you, you kill every opportunity you ever had. I don't know which movie that's I from, but it's a good yeah, one. It's a really good That's line. a really good you line. You kill every opportunity you ever had. Every chance you know. I ever had. And we were kind of talking about this tonight before we started recording. It's just Steve, Derek, and I. I've just been noticing that I've been doing it a lot. I think that's... Uh, yeah, where I kind of zone out and everything goes a little bit fuzzy. I couldn't really tell you what I... Yeah, I was just kind of running on autopilot mm. and was thinking about some bullshit thing that I have no control over. It'll probably never happen. Telling myself stories, right? right. Like future stories. It's like uh, alternate alternate future stories or, or as close to nonfiction as I can get. Like telling myself a nonfiction story about what's going to happen over the next day, week, right. month, that type of thing. Uh, but I'm not enjoying anything. I'm not enjoying the moment. I'm, I'm probably giving myself dopamine right because it's kind of exciting mm-hmm. uh, there's yeah there's there's that slow trickle of dopamine when you're future tripping yeah uh, uh, getting excited about things that could happen and I think planning for a trip is one of the most positive parts future of that tripping future tripping right? is positive future tripping is when like you almost people my wife will tend to enjoy planning the trip you know, even more than the trip the itself. Trip. Yeah. Like you get to the trip. Well, again, yeah, it's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just an imagination exercise. Going on vacation. Yeah. And yeah. Imagination's great. Yeah. But uh, you miss shit. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> and uh, and then it also there's an aspect of it where I'm just noticing how constantly disappointed by reality I am. Uh. And pretty. Det- I, don't know, I I think it's a reflex. The future right. tripping thing. Of uh, of trying to get out of this reality that is just kind of so mediocre all the time, which it isn't. It's not nearly as mediocre as as I tend to perceive it. I don't think I'm just not. I don't know. I'm I'm those muscles are very atrophied. I think is the best way to put it. So your future tripping is is a positive future. Not always. Sometimes the best. Dopamine hits I get are the really negative, dark things, right? And then you move into that, and it's not what you expected? Or not as dark as you thought it was going to be? Or it's not as dark as it in your mind could have been? Yeah. Could you use an example of... I'm so bad with the example thing. (laughs) Um, Just driving for work things the other day, Uh and I was just... And I was thinking a lot about Trump... And just, you know, like the direction our country is headed and what does this mean and what does this policy here mean and how are people going to react and blah, blah, blah. But it was, what, 73 degrees out, first nice day we'd had, you know, after kind of a brutal winter. uh, Couldn't have asked for nicer weather. Uh, I was outside. Um, There's, yeah, I wasn't enjoying that. I was just... I was escaping, you know, one of the better days we've had in six months. Yeah. And I just couldn't stick with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think I was, and I, I mentioned earlier that um, the antidote to that just seems to be the simple function of noticing. 
Mm. Of, you know, it's almost like keeping your eyes moving or moving your eyes, fixing on something and noticing it for a couple of seconds and then moving your eyes again and fixating on something and noticing it again and actually taking it in yeah. and forcing myself to do that as opposed to glaze, present. glazing over yeah. and going into some imaginary uh, imaginary reality. I like that he asked Bill Murray, like the question that spawned this, it's probably the deepest thing I've ever heard that man say. <laughs> Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. You know? And, it's just, and it's, you know, it all started with, what do you want? Like at this mm-hmm. point in your life, what do you want? And he says, I want to be present. Mm-hmm. I want to be present in every situation. Like that's me too. Just even with you guys sometimes, um, I've done interviews and listened back to them with people that, that I respect and admire, and I can almost hear myself in the interview not listening. Like, mm-hmm. are you actually listening to what this person is saying? Or are you thinking about the next question right. you're going to ask them? Like, right. like being present, looking them in the eyes, and even looking at yourself in the mirror, you know, like he was saying, just in the morning going, okay, it's, it's you and I, and it's me, right? I'm going to be present today. Like that's I want to be present today. Even that motivation in there is is an interesting way of looking at it. I think as you get older, you become more aware. I'm a lot more aware of the moment now than I was in my 30s, mm-hmm. because I thought in my 30s I had my whole life yet to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had kids when I was in my mid and late 30s, so. A lot of our of my early life was not involved there, so that was always down the road. Now I'm in my 60s, and I, I do really am focused on being in the moment, being more aware of what's around me. I, I will see a lot of people driving that I know that don't see me because they're they're just either focused on where they're going, or they'll say I'm I'm focusing on on the road, but or you could just thinking about some other or, shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's amazing to me how you will see one particular person three or four times a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what is that about? Everybody's leaving the house at the same time. Yeah, I've seen it's a, you'll just see them and you'll see them. And it's, it's really crazy is when they do the same thing to you and they see you. Like I'll see somebody at the checkout stand or I'll see somebody at the grocery store. And then I'll see him somewhere else. And I'll see him somewhere else. And then I'll just kind of, it, you can tell the tension's a little awkward. Right. So I think, I seriously am not following you. Honestly, <laughs> I'm safe. I'm not stalking yeah. you. But it's weird. And, and But I never did that when I was younger. I was never aware. Um, I always see the cars coming at me. I see who's in the cars. Yeah. I'll, have, I'll have guys that I know in the car right next to me on a two-lane road pulled up to a stoplight and they won't even look over they're looking straight ahead or thinking about what else but they're younger and I think that is something you guys will pick up on as you get older because you realize you know you're going to be dreaming your life away and you get to the same well I'm 50 Steve I'm no spring chicken myself I'm 63 so I got 13 years I was almost driving 36 36. yeah yeah well my cousin and I last night were just laughing about that just we've grown up and we're at the age that we thought our dads were old. Yeah. And enjoy the moment. I mean, just enjoy the conversation we had, family last night. Enjoy this. I enjoy this. 
And I'm at that point, I think, to stay there, stay in that moment is, I don't want to do what I don't really enjoy doing anymore, <laughs> just to do it. No, if I don't want to do something, if I don't enjoy it, I'm not going to do that task. Mm. You know, if I'm going to, it's going to mean, if it's going to mean hanging out with family that I don't get along with, I'm not going to hang around with the family. I'm sorry. I think that's one of the biggest things that the mushrooms gave me, was that, what you're talking about. Really? Permission to just, like, look, this is, one, I'm not enjoying this, and two, it's not going anywhere. Mm Mm-hmm. Like I'll stick around if I can see a light, right? But if it, but just very low tolerance for the okay. Let's all stop fooling each, ourselves. I'm, I'm out. I'm, yeah, I don't have to do this. No I'm way 36. I had that at thirty six. <laughs> I'm thirty six fucking years old. No way I had I that at thirty six. I don't need to do and that and that that's happened. That was a that was a fairly stark escalation. You mean in the de- decision to do mushrooms? No, after mushrooms. After you that did. was after the okay. mushrooms. That was all of a sudden. There was a very strong sense of like. While you were. I don't high. have to do it. You don't have to do this. While you were high. No, that, since the, since the trip. Okay. Okay. Since okay. the trip. All right. It's interesting. Yeah, it wasn't something I experienced in the trip, really. Okay. Uh, but they, you experienced being present, though. I saw that. Like you're like, <laughs> look at the ground. Yes, <laughs> that was. I never yeah. really enjoyed the trip. You know, the ground and the. And that was the trans. That was the best thing about the mushrooms, Mm. is you 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 so weed forces you into the moment, but you get really stupid, Mm. and your senses get really dulled. Mushrooms forces you in the moment, but you're aware of everything. Mm. Like it just really makes you aware of, of stuff. So you get to enjoy, like you get to be in the moment, and you get to. To enjoy noticing it because you can't help but notice everything. You're just constantly noticing things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was probably the, it was like it like forced me to break out of future tripping. Like that wasn't an option because I only had yeah, you can't. I only had ten seconds. But I was in that ten second. I was way more aware than yeah. I am at any other point. Just hanging out, doing anything else. Interesting. So, yeah. Because when I was younger, I had a lot of relationships that were nothing. I mean, they were just really mm-hmm. relation or friends. They weren't even really friends. Mm-hmm. And I'm at the, I'm, I'm now. I don't have time for relationships that aren't going to go somewhere. And and by going somewhere, I mean able to input into my life and me able to input in their life. I'm here because I enjoy this these relationships. Right. Mm-hmm. If I didn't, I wouldn't be here. There's something really deep. Arthur brought this up earlier about so that show Russian Doll. Mm-hmm. One of the character, one of the grossest characters in there, talks about being the void where a choice should be. Yeah. Right. Like women don't. Like I'm not a choice. I'm just the void where a choice should be. Yeah. And I think that connects really strong with me on a lot of my friendships as kids. Like yeah. I wouldn't really choose to hang out with you, but. Like, I guess this is just like, I, yeah, I don't really know what else to do. Right. So yeah. we'll just, oh, me too. we'll just do this yeah. and I'm not really enjoying this, but it's better than being alone. Yep. So I don't choose you as a friend, but fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> because they're, they're in your neighborhood. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's yeah. what's there. You don't, yep. yeah. you can't drive. I remember playing Little League and, and some of my Little League buddies, but we didn't live in the neighborhood together. Right. So I only saw them for a season of playing baseball. And then I never saw him again. And I remember 
I could. I, I remember thinking I didn't have words for it back in the day, but I remember thinking I could be friends with that guy. Mm. But the guys I hung out with were the guys that were in my neighborhood. It's like you just said. It's well, I don't really, you know, I wouldn't choose you if I had any other options. If we had a lineup. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope those guys aren't <laughs> dodgeballs aren't listening to this. That would be crazy. Yeah. Do you think athletics though? Like, here's the example of relationships in athletics, where you might pick someone because they're a good athlete. Right, like, you ever play soccer or baseball? Or I just like play that? baseball. And was there people that you were on a team with that you could respect your relationship with them athletically, but you wouldn't like when it came to hanging out afterwards? You know, I don't know because yeah. we never did. You know, oh, baseball really? was that common denominator. Mm. That was one of the things my wife and I had to discuss when our kids left the house. Was was our kids the denominator that kept us together? Mm. Because everything evolved around the kids, and and you guys are with younger kids are gonna are dealing with that. Because you look suddenly, you look yeah. at your wife of thirty some years. Who are you? Yeah, and that's the empty one, nest. And, yeah, and you've got to make a, a concerted effort. I've had to make a concerted effort to reengage my wife back to when before we had kids. Yeah. When we enjoyed just being with each other, and we are enjoying being with each other. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm here. I can't speak for her. I'm enjoying being with her now. <laughs> right, yeah. um, and, and trying to be in that moment when I'm with her, I make a point now of putting my phone away. Yeah. And making eye contact. And even with my customer base, that's what I do, is make sure that I'm, I'm in that moment because they'll pick up on that. Mm-hmm. And my wife is really good at picking it up. She goes, what are you doing? I'm just looking at my emails. No, can you talk to me? Right. Yeah. Yeah, my wife too. And I'm working on getting better at that too but i find also that it's a it's an escape sometimes from a difficult conversation mm-hmm. yeah like if i know something's coming that i i'm it's going to be hard to talk about like i'm more apt to check twitter or something like that it's, my phone's like right there going like itchy you what know. are you are you afraid maybe you know I, and that's I being am. present in that moment and am i am i gonna fuck it up am i gonna say something stupid or am I am I going to say how I actually feel, and that's going to get rejected, or yep. or yep. misunderstood? Yep. yep. You know, so it's it's easy to opt out, and I think that technologically today, like no other time in history, we have this little device in our hand, which is like like a quick boom escape. Yep. You know, it's mm-hmm. like right there in your hand. Aziz, I'm sorry, has a bit on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks about a little hit of internet. Like, oh, I just need just need a little hit of internet right now. Like right, just, yeah. just five minutes. I need to get through this moment. Ah, oh, there we go. I got my internet fix. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, I I would get bored in relationships when I was younger. Mm. If it wasn't exciting, if it wasn't somebody of a senior pastor, an older guy, a coach, or whatever. Um, I would get bored with them. You know, it's like, what are you at? What can you put in my life? What can, what I can I get from you? Interesting. And now I'm at kind of that point of. Those are the ones you're not. I'm not going to get stuff from. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get stuff from the guys that you would least expect it. Yeah, I think one of those practices. You know, we talk about the practice of being curious. Is a is a good exercise mm-hmm. in, in being present. You know, and not being afraid either. Like, what if I was curious rather than trying to 
get my agenda, you know, or I have this, I have this conversation with my wife, for example, and I have a, a sort of agenda on where I want to go with whatever hard conversation we have to have. And, and, and there's, there's like an energy to it, you know, there's an emotional energy to it. And if I could change that emotional energy into being curious because I care for her and because she's a different person. I think that's another thing in relationships when you've been married for as long as, as some of us have, some of that curiosity starts to wane and you, and you, you know, fear moves in, maybe future tripping moves in and we want to avoid hard conversations because because of maybe a lack of curiosity. I don't thinking out loud, but I think go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, it's this came up in counseling with me the other day talking about it. It's really hard to talk about something to be vulnerable in front of your spouse. It's from both directions because the spouse immediately jumps to, oh shit, this is gonna affect me. Mm. Whereas you sit down with a friend, right? Like you guys, I can tell you some really deep shit and it's like, well, that doesn't really affect like, oh man, like I'm really here in the moment with you. I'm experienced with you because tomorrow I don't have to wake up and deal with that shit. Whereas if your spouse, like they immediately share something deep and dark. You're like, oh shit, that means I have the kids tomorrow. (laughs) It's like, oh shit, like you're having a really hard time. That means I got to take care of the kids. I got to do dinner. I got to, right? And and that's not where you want to be with your spouse, but it just kind of kicks in. Of like, oh, there's a cost to you being this vulnerable to me. Yeah. To I'm me. Close. There's a cost to me right now oh, of yeah. you being vulnerable. Yeah, that's good. And it's hard not to just mm. fix it on that. Yeah, yeah. The, Those four horrible words, we need to talk. Yeah. But honestly... Have a seat. And again, and, <laughs> and the reason that's a problem is because they're saying... This is going to cost you something. Yeah. Whereas yeah, yeah. with a friend, there's an economy that's not the, how a friendship works. Usually, it's just I need to share something. I need somebody to listen, yeah. and then we both go our own ways. And yeah. there's an economy to it, but it's a little cheaper. Yes, it is cheaper. Yeah, that might be it. <laughs> right. There's a nickel. There's much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even, even, for, even the illusion of you caring, right. the illusion that that you're you're identifying, validating what I'm feeling. Yeah. And that's. The, the scary thing in, in relationships is that that vulnerability to share can lead to increased intimacy. Yeah, because absolutely. you are then allowing yourself to yeah. be ident- to to be um, vulnerable, to be validated. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, a lot of the research and you know some of the work I've done and just sexual dysfunction, you know, um, sexually compulsive behavior. And more and more, it's less about, you know, scheduling a time to have sex or talking about sex. Well, that's important, too, but it's more that. It's, it's more that being intimate, being um, mm. being safe. Like, Peel back a layer. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Being emotionally naked mm-hmm. before physically naked. Mm-hmm. And sometimes and that, what's scary about that is also you start to realize where you're not compatible or where you need work, you know, relational work, which sucks. And maybe you see a counselor or whatever. And, and, uh, but, but you, yeah, you don't know until you get naked, right? You know? And if you value that relationship, you're willing to risk, or you're willing to, uh, to uh, d- dig into that yeah. and see what that. And I, for 30 years of my marriage, 
I wasn't willing to do that. Right. Now I want to do that. I want to water make I want to be vulnerable, yeah. but it's scary as hell. Yeah. Because I don't want to be my feelings, my emotions, my thoughts, my fears, all of those emotions being exposed, getting poopod. Because they were for me, they were when I. That's how I grew up. Your emotions don't count. It right. doesn't matter. Yeah. This is what happened. I was, Do you think that's a generational thing? No, no, I don't know. Because I've heard like from a lot of boomers, like especially men, like you're just kind of taught that you need to bear down and do your freaking shut up and feelings, fuck feelings. It's a cultural generational thing. I think it's a cultural thing. Yeah. There's definitely, but yeah, it's. I think it's changed quite a bit. I grew up pretty deep in that culture. Interesting. Guys. Yeah, Chuck did yeah, too, because he and I have talked. In, in, uh, <clears throat> Me too, and I was always emotional anyway. I was always this kind of hypersensitive kid, and I couldn't shut it off as, as hard as I tried. I could bottle it up for a while, mm-hmm. but it would end up leaking. <laughs> but were your feelings Somewhere. and emotions ever validated? No, by, not really. By any authority by, in your life? No. I mean, my parents were pretty much out of the picture, kind of. I mean, yeah. they were always... My mom was a single mom. My dad, they got divorced when I was seven. So, uh, I mean, before that, yeah, I don't, I just don't have a lot of nurture, you know. My therapist called it complex trauma. Like, Russ, you have complex trauma. So, so yeah, that's a part of it, you know. But, yeah, the, the, the question that Bill Murray's asked, that I want to be present and sometimes just realizing that I want that is important, mm-hmm. you know. And also him talking about it's in the body, you know. It's not just in your head. Mm-hmm. Like your whole body is present, you know. Um, Seth's book, The Feels Like Redemption, he talks a lot about that. Just being present in your body. Even even as a spiritual practice. Like stop praying with words, you know. As a, as a Christian, there's some of that language in the Bible. Like God knows what you want before you even ask for it. <laughs> so there's there's something to this ministry or, or presence, you know, not just prayer-wise, but being present with ourselves, yeah. being present sure. in, the, in the current moment. And I, a lot of my prayer life is like that now. It's more meditation-minded than it is, yeah. you know, me spouting off, like, shit I need. But sometimes I still do that, too, you know? I want my bills paid. Like, that would be yeah, nice. Yeah, we both. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, I want my van to break down or somebody smash into me or something like that. Well, see, that's my future tripping goes that negative. Okay. When I used to have to make the trips over to Missoula to pick up my daughter, I was sure my car was going to break down. I'd hear that noise. One instance, I went over and it was raining, and I pulled over in Ellsburg to take a pee, and... I got out and I saw this water exactly where I drove in, coming from my wheels. Like, what the fuck is that? Put my finger down here and smell it. It's just water. Well, in my head, I've blown something. Yeah. I'm, I'm stranded here. And all it was is the water just collected in my wheels. Condensation. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, oh, shit. And that's the future tripping. And then I remember when I got back the final time after four years over there, I just hugged my... 99 Astro van. Thank you. <laughs> you didn't break down. Yeah. No 190,000 miles on it. Yeah, I was thinking about that. So I went skiing today with my daughter. 
and the first time we went was about a month and a half ago, and I was just brutally anxious the entire trip up to the mountain. Like all, like we were talking mm-hmm. about, like you're gonna break down, you know, some psycho on this road's gonna go off the road and like hit, kill me and my daughter, or I'm gonna drive off a cliff, and just just sight and couldn't disengage. Yeah. Uh, and today I was totally fine, like had maybe little tiny little flashes of it, but it was almost like laughable how little power it hold. Mm-hmm. And then just being frustrated, <laughs> like what's what's the difference? Why why does that happen sometimes, and not happen others? What is going on that I'm not aware of? Yeah. What was happening six weeks ago uh. that caused me to so be so fucking freaked out? Right. And today it just doesn't like again. It kind of feels funny that 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 doesn't bother me at all. Or the reverse. The yeah. reverse is worse. Yeah. When this didn't used to bother me, yeah. now all of a sudden I can't stop freaking out. Uh, yeah. I had to practice that when she would drive back to Missoula alone in eight hours. Right. Uh, yeah, I can imagine that. I am. Yeah. She used to have find my phone on, well, on on her iPhone, and my wife has an iPhone, so. But she was pissed off at my wife because my wife was tracking her. So she turned it off. Right. <laughs> I'm like, what? No. I don't want to text her because she's driving on I-90 up to Missoula. And it, it was, there were serious, seriously anxious moments. Right. That's just the so. most brutal part of that parent-child relationship. Is remembering that super strong desire for autonomy when I was a teenager mm-hmm. in early 20s. Get the fuck away. I need to be my own person. Yeah. And now feeling <laughs> the depth of that anxiety. Yes. Of like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, I will die. If you die, I will die. Yes. Yeah. It's the yes. worst death ever. Like, I can't imagine anything more miserable than you dying. Yeah, I would much rather me die than you die. Yeah. Yeah, and the level of anxiety... And, and there's just no way to communicate to that to them. No. Like, yeah. okay, like, yeah, it'd be really nice for me to communicate the level of anxiety <laughs> I feel. Like, and it's not rational. No. And I know I'm fucking crazy. No, absolutely. And I'm sorry. No. But yeah. God damn it. Yeah. That, it, <laughs> it September awful. of 1974, my mom and dad dropped me off in San Francisco as an 18-year-old kid. Uh, and we would drive home. And we didn't have cell phones in the right. 70s. We would drive home 17 hours straight. And that was back in the gas shortages. So there were many times we pulled up to a gas station and they were closed. They may or may not have we gas. parked until they opened the next morning. <laughs> and I can't imagine the stress that would have caused my parents. Yeah. 16, I mean, eight hours and I had cell phones. Yeah. You know? And my big stress that drive is there's about an hour and a half stretch on those hills between Idaho and, and Missoula where there's no cell reception. Yeah. Oh, God, get through that, get through that. And she yeah. texts me and she goes, yeah, I'm in Frenchtown, it's um, 40 minutes outside. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I mean, when you get there, is, but there is that balance. And you go, and you realize, she she goes, Dad, what are you worried about? I'm a parent. It's what I do now. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I'm not worried about anything. I just have general anxiety. Yes! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> about, so some of about your existence. Yes! Yeah. Some future tripping normal, then. I think that every parent can, can relate to that kind of... I think to the point, fear. unless it becomes obsessive. Yeah, unless it And you don't want to go. Right. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm going to drive with you and then I'll fly home. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. Well, and, and that thought did cross my mind. Yeah. There, I remember the first time she drove home alone. 
oh god, I was just a mess until she got home. And I tried to do it. I tried to have her do it when I was at work, so I keep my mind off of it. Yep. Yeah, it just makes you crazy. Oh yeah. yeah. I definitely feel that. Like my impulses are crazy right now. Crazy. Yeah. Do not make sense. No. And I don't know what the practice to unless it's just practicing staying in the moment. Yeah. Somebody said uh, having a child is like pulling your heart still beating out of your body and giving it a will of its own and watching it run around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like just that yeah. feeling of like, oh yeah. like look I know you're your own person, but if something bad happens, it's yeah. gonna hurt me so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be crushed. I yeah. know you'll be crushed, but I will be crushed too. Yes. yes. <laughs> Literally, this will hurt me more than it hurts you. Yeah. And the, the, as a parent, you you're understand that. But as a kid, yeah. oh, you're. Oh, you can't. Nobody, you can't understand it until you get the parent thing. It's got to be a hormone thing. Like it has to be because it's yeah. so fucking crazy. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. Exactly. It's just a thing that happens. And your kids getting into relationships. I think my, my therapist <sighs> yeah, talked about that, that too. Like, like Susan said. Yeah, you know, I was talking about my kids and. The relationships that the, they they've gotten into, and, and every time they get into a relationship, she goes, "Yeah, when your adult kids get into a relationship, it's almost like they just got a new car or a used car, right? And you just handed them the keys, and you're hoping for the best, and they're they're in this relationship with this person that's going to affect their lives. Right. It's going to affect. There's their a very lives. good chance that they're going to really hurt them. Mm. Yeah, pretty right. higher than yeah. higher than not. Yeah. yeah. It's like a 75 Higher than a used car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Get, I was that used car. Broken. Wow. Yeah. I was that used car. Damn me, too. I felt like that, that, that line from that show when I was... Because I had girlfriends... Where a choice should be. Yeah. So I had a few, you know, girls cheat on me when I was a teenager. And then, I'm like, I don't, you know, I'll just fuck around and get laid and... I'm that void where a choice. I'm the guy you fuck. I'm not the guy you have a relationship with. Mm-hmm. I was listening to uh, 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 oh, what's his name? Bishop. Uh, Elvin Bishop had that song. I think it was his one big hit. Fooled around and fell in love. You know, back in the seventies. This you know, eventually it's gonna happen if you. That's a, the interesting thing about. That's a whole nother subject, but polyamory. Had a guy in the car talking about that. It's like, yeah, but in the 80s, we called it friends that fuck, you know, mm-hmm. just different language. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's like, can you do that long term and just kind of sleep with different people and everybody has an understanding? There's something to the human condition. There's there's a monogamy to it, or is it all cultural? I don't know, but that's... I don't know some it's of, a monogamy there's if <laughs> sex doesn't mean anything yeah. eventually you realize that you might as well just be jerking off yeah yeah <laughs> right? I think so yeah. or or if, if so there's two reasons to have sex outside of intimacy one is jerking off and one or one is dopamine and one is ego right and it's usually that deadly cocktail of the two that you get the chronic sex addict yeah. that just can't stop himself but I think eventually, even the sex addict at some point figures out, like, my ego can't grow anymore, and the dopamine doesn't hit me like it used to. Yeah, I think that's what Neil Strauss found. 
yeah. in that book, The Truth, uh, yeah. was that eventually he realized this doesn't work. Yeah, I've done it. I've done everything. And he wrote the book on it. Yeah, <laughs> the secret, right? It's, it's, yeah. The the what was it? The game. Yeah. <clears throat> but he eventually realized that, and he's in a, in a in a relationship with he's married and has kids now, and it's in, with his wife. That's yeah. the worst thing about dopamine is you get tolerant to that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The button doesn't. Button works great the first time, pretty good the second time, decently the third time, and then. By the hundredth time, you just barely feel it anymore. But I've also heard stories where sex addicts, like one of the biggest lies and myths is that you don't really need to get help. It'll just go away with age. And I've, I saw old guys, you know, mm-hmm. 70s, pulling up to these crappy hotels and going in and banging some prostitute. I think that's the deadly combo of the ego. That's where yeah, the, like yeah. this is my identity. That's kind of what I do. And I think it's also there's an aspect of trying to fight against their own incoming death. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe. Right? Like that like, and like the I got I still got to be able to do this because if I'm, it's not it's just another part of me that's dying. Yeah, and the plumbing well, doesn't work as well. And if they're in a relationship where their wife of 60 years can't or won't. Yeah. They still have that need. And jacking off is just not going to fill it. Yeah. It's that. Once you've upgraded to yeah. the real thing yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But I've heard se- got male sex addicts in, in their 70s really? say shit like that. Like, like the worst thing about it is that you think it's going to get better and you still have that desire or that like they're in their 20s and the plumbing doesn't work. Right, like it I did. Just can't then. Get there. There's almost like being in hell because right. you're. <laughs> and I've talked, it, but and I can't, you know, yeah. I knew this prostitute, and she would, she was with some of these guys, and she's like, "Yeah, I charge more because it takes longer." You know? Yeah, uh, you're here for a while. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, "Oh wow," and yeah, that's that's that, that was another motivator for me also to get help because, fuck, that sounds like hell. You know, that sounds like hell. Um, and but I think that's also part of not being present. Sex is so interesting in that. If you're, I heard a, a sex therapist say that if you're, if you're in your head, you're dead. You know, during during the act of lovemaking, if you're in yeah. your head, especially for women, you're not going to be able to come. And I think even for guys, like I think that's a big part of why porn is such a big deal is because it, it forces us to meditate. I think that mm-hmm. porn is a, is a, or jerking off is a substitute for meditation yeah. in a way. Because you can't, you kind of have to clear your head <laughs> to make it work. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to blow your head. I think it definitely nut, is. You know? I actually mentioned that to John about a year and a half ago. Because I was doing more uh, exploration and meditation. Yeah. And I was like, this feels familiar. <laughs> like, yeah. oh yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> like, there's that, like, yeah, I'm just not in my head for a minute. Uh-huh. And, yeah. And that feels like a little mini vacation. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the relationship with my wife now is that I'm more in that moment. <clears throat> Before, it was, okay, now what? Even during the act, it was, now what? I'm done. Now let's move on to the next, when's the next time? But to stay in that moment, just to enjoy the presence of her there, irregardless, 
And that's, I think, where I've grown even in the last year is even in the presence, just being in her presence in a non-sexual way to just be in her presence and to be vulnerable, which, you know, as our, as our buddy Mark would say, into me see is intimacy. And I never understood that. Intimacy to me growing up was sex. That was all it was. Because you intimate apparel, right? The intimate yeah. apparel section of the catalog. <laughs> yeah. But into me see is that emotional, for me now, it's that emotional vulnerability of being seeing into her and her seeing into me yeah. and not being afraid. Evangelicals were so uptight about sex they needed another word to use instead of sex. So yeah. they went for intimacy and destroyed that word. Yeah. It actually had a good definition yeah. prior to them exactly. fucking it up. No, you're exactly right. That's, Thanks, Evangelicals. Yeah. You <laughs> fucked up something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So true. So being present, I think we covered the gamut. Sex, relationships, but... Just looking in the mirror is, is another one weird. I like the looking in the mirror thing. Yeah. Cause, and, I, and I can relate to the looking in the mirror and not wanting to look in the mirror, yeah. right? Like, I, I don't know that I want to see myself as I am on a day-to-day -day basis. I have kind of this image of myself looking nicer than I do, and I'd rather stick with that one. Yeah. But, I, yeah, but like he mentions in that clip, like just being comfortable looking in the mirror and and noticing yourself in the mirror yeah. because there's a lot of value to that. Aging and everything else, right? That's a huge bitch! Hey, help a punk rock robot out. Scratch my itch by hitting that subscribe button. Like to join us in having more ears hear this punk sound? Please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio or wherever you hear this fucking podcast. Punk Theology is the property of Digital Audio Project who is responsible for its content. Don't check it out! This disc contains CD-ROM data and is not for audio use. Please press stop on your disc player now.